0: Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Greetings, Kailua community, and thank you so much for praying for our projects around the world. I'll be reading from Philippians four eighteen to 20 at the moment, I have all I need, more than I need. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with the Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable to God and pleases Him. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, glory be to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. Philippians four, eighteen 18-20. Lana, thank you for doing our scripture reading. Lana is over on the big island in the city called Volcano, because it's near the volcano. A beautiful location. We're glad that they can be in Hawaii temporarily while they have to shelter in place here in Hawaii because they're not able to travel, but their ministry continues through their partners around the world, and we're grateful for that partnership with Lana and Hal Jones and Global Hope Network. You know, there are a lot of things going on in the world, and one of the things we showed you was that explosion in in Lebanon, just horrific. You turn on the news and you discover there are horrific fires going on in Northern California, some of the worst fires they've had in history right now. And they discover in the Gulf Coast of the United States, we have back-to-back hurricanes coming. And... Where you live, there may be famine, there may be floods, there may be other tragedies, as well as COVID. And it's a time for us to say we are helplessly dependent on our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's turn to Him in prayer and pray for ourselves and one another. Lord, we are but dust but you are the almighty God, all-powerful. You are the creator of all things. And Lord, we are becoming more and more mindful of our weakness and of your strength, of our need for you and our dependence on you. Lord, we are becoming more and more mindful that this world is not our home, that we are citizens of a better place, a perfect place, the kingdom of God, heaven. And Lord Jesus, right now, we cry out to you for those who are suffering greatly, some in our community, some around the world, some perhaps within our own homes, dealing with not just COVID-19, but health issues, financial issues, tragedy, loss of life, loss of homes, loss of income, loss of peace. Lord, we cry out to you and ask you to minister to us and use us to minister to others. As you pour into us, help us then to pour out to those in need. Lord, we ask that we would be encouraged, refreshed, and blessed by what you have for us in your word today. And may the Holy Spirit be the teacher. May I merely be a channel. May Christ be seen in what is preached, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor David Oyedepo is considered by Forbes Business Magazine to be the richest pastor in the world. It's estimated that his personal net worth is around $150 million. Number two is a pastor in Dallas, Texas by the name of T.D. Jakes, and T.D. Jakes' net worth is estimated to be $147 million. But if you continue to search the internet, you'll discover that they aren't the wealthiest pastors. The pastor who has the greatest net worth is a man by the name of Kenneth Copeland. He's now, I think, in his 80s. And Kenneth Copeland's net worth is estimated to be between 300 and $750 million. Well, I was shocked by that, and I was curious. I, I thought of a number of well-known pastors, pastors that I listen to uh, on the radio or through podcasts, or maybe you watch them on television, and I was curious, well, what are their net worths? So I looked them up, and all the ones I could think of to look up had net worths in the double-digit millions between 14 and 50 million dollars. And then I thought, well what about women pastors? And I looked up one famous woman pastor and her net worth is only eight million with an annual salary of about $900,000. I was shocked by that and I wondered, is this only among the Protestants? What about the Catholic Church? So I was curious and I looked up the net worth of Pope Francis, the leader of the Catholic Church, and his net worth is estimated to be $80 million, his personal net worth and the net worth of the Catholic Church, around $800 billion. I noticed that the Apostle Paul's name was nowhere to be found in any of these lists. And in case you're curious, mine isn't either. Apostle Paul, while writing under house arrest in Rome for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, is completely dependent on the financial gifts of other Christians to keep him alive because his net worth is zero. Nada. Tipota, for my Greek friends. His net worth couldn't be lower. But it substantially increased when a man by the name of Epaphroditus traveled from Philippi, Greece, over to Rome, Italy with sacks of coinage, To support the Apostle Paul and his net worth increased and he said now I'm abundantly supplied I have what I need and more the Apostle Paul's attitude toward money and specifically toward the sacrificial giving of other Christians so he could survive is described for us at the end of the book of Philippians as we continue today in our series letters from quarantine as we come toward the end of the book chapter 4 verse 17. In chapter 4, verse 17, the Apostle Paul writes to the Philippian Christians who sent him money, not that I seek the gift itself. He said, it's not about money. I'm not in the ministry for money, obviously. But I seek for the profit. That word profit is literally fruit, which increases to your account. Riches, fame, and power are intoxicating and addicting but the apostle paul clearly avoided these addictions found both outside the church but also inside the church yes the apostle paul pursued wealth but the wealth that he pursued was a spiritual wealth for himself and for those he loved paul was a prosperity preacher but The prosperity he preaches is an eternal one, a spiritual one, not a temporal one. Not that I seek the gift itself. I don't seek money, he says. I seek for the profit, which is spiritual, which increases to your account, your heavenly account. I would suggest that money is the most powerful and most dangerous motivating factor in our lives. And both the possession of lots of money and the lack of possession of money can move us to do things that are dishonoring to the Lord. But the Philippian Christians and the Apostle Paul himself had eternal perspectives when it came to money. Notice verse 18 goes on to say, But I, Paul, have received everything in full, I don't know if they had a receipt that came with the money to make sure all of it made it all the way from Greece to Rome, but he got it all, and I have an abundance. I have more than I need. Thank you. I am amply supplied. You are very generous. I've received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. And then he calls it a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. The Philippian Christians were sacrificial givers, and they were also consistent givers, and we discover that as we read through the Scriptures. The Philippian church's generosity to the Apostle Paul goes back a long way. About 10 years earlier, the Apostle Paul had been on his second missionary journey, and it's talked about in Acts 16 and Acts 17, and on that journey, he came to Europe for the first time, into northern Greece, area called Macedonia, and the first church that he established in Europe was in Philippi. And he established that church there, and another church in Thessalonica, in Berea, and then he traveled south to southern Greece, where the city of Corinth is. And we're told that while Paul was ministering in southern Greece in Corinth, it was the churches, like the church in Philippi in northern Greece, that kept supporting him. The church in Corinth did not support him, other churches did. And Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, but he's using the church of Philippi as a good example of giving. And he writes in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1, Now, brethren, he's talking to the Christians in southern Greece, in Corinth, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, northern Greece, where the church of Philippi is. He says that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of, of their liberality. Paul says the Philippian church isn't a rich church. In fact, they were in deep poverty. They hit rock bottom financially, and yet they were so full of joy that they gave out abundantly. It overflowed. They're giving... When we were doing the children's sermon, you might have noticed that some of that water kind of overflowed onto the carpet. I think it'll dry okay. But when God gives, when we give, we should give in a way that overflows. And that's what Paul had received from the Philippians. Verse 3, for I, Paul, testified that according to their ability, the ability of the Philippians, and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. They wanted to give their own accord. And he says, beyond their ability... That doesn't mean they maxed out their credit card or they went into debt. What that means is they looked at how much money they needed for themselves to survive, and they took some of that and gave it away and knew if they gave it away, they wouldn't have enough for their own needs. Beyond their ability, they sacrificed, they gave. Verse 4, this verse is amazing. Begging us. Begging us with much entreaty for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. I've never been to a church, and I've been to churches all over the world, where after they passed the offering bag, the congregation begged for them to pass it again. Please, we want to give more. Or... Where people came to church, not for the worship, not for the preaching, they came to church for the offering. And if they showed up late, they go, well, we didn't miss it, did we? (laughs) The Philippian church begged Paul again and again for the favor of giving money away to help those in need. And the reason that they could give so sacrificially, so joyfully, so wonderfully, so consistently, The secret to their giving is found in verse 5. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. They first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. If you have already given your entire self to God, giving anything else away is almost a no-brainer becomes much easier if you've given yourself fully to God then giving away any portion of your finances or making a sacrifice is much easier and when you and I find it difficult to give our tithe or our offering or make a sacrifice we have to back up and ask ourselves have we really given ourselves fully to God Which brings us to the first of two principles today. Principle number one is this. The outline is there online if you want to look at it there or print it out. Number one, a heart fully given to God gives fully to others. A heart fully given to God gives fully to others. You know, we often hear people say something like, I'm giving myself fully to my new sport. Or I'm giving myself fully to my new marriage. Or I'm giving myself fully to my new job. I'm giving myself fully to my education or to this political cause. Maybe people say, I'm giving myself fully to my church. And we say that as if giving ourselves fully to something automatically is a good thing but it isn't necessarily a good thing. Depends on what you're giving yourself fully to. You could give yourself fully to pleasing yourself like many people do. Well, that's not a good thing. You could give yourself fully to leading a riot or an insurrection. Well, that's not necessarily a good thing. (laughs) You could give yourself fully to ending traditional marriage, and that's a horrible thing. In every area of life, in every action you and I take, we must first give our hearts fully to God. Fully to God. And a heart fully given to God will often discover that other things that one used to fully give their lives to are not so important after all. This COVID 19 pandemic has helped reveal to us, to me, how selfish. We really are. We're being asked to inconvenience ourselves, even to suffer, even to go through hardships for the well-being of the community. And by community, I don't just mean your city or state or country, I mean the world. And our responses to being deprived of our personal desires and wants, and even so-called rights, is revealing a lot of stuff about us, and not all of it good. Remember, when you accepted Christ as your Savior, you accepted a life of sacrifice based on the life that was sacrificed for you. Let me say that again. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, you accepted a life of sacrifice based on the life that was sacrificed for you. Jesus gave himself fully to God for you. And he asked you to give yourself fully to God for others. And the Philippian Christians did just that. They followed suit. They gave of themselves fully to God and found it easy and joyful and wonderful then to give of themselves to others. And Paul describes this in Philippians 4.18 at the end of that verse. He says, it is an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. When you pray and say, Lord, help me, Be well pleasing to you, keep in mind he may ask you to sacrifice. And right now, all of us are being asked to make acceptable sacrifices for the good of others that are well pleasing to God. A heart fully given to God gives fully to others. We'll turn back to Philippians 4, and we come to another one of those verses in Philippians that. Are pulled out of its context and misapplied and misused by prosperity preachers and by well meaning but poorly instructed Christians. And that's Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Verse 19 And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And many people like to take out a portion of that verse. My God shall supply all your needs and try to apply it in every area of their life and say God should meet all their needs. Well, are all your needs being met? Realistically, mine aren't. When you overhear someone saying something like, tell me what you need and I'll get it for you, you know there's a context involved. For example... Husband is headed to the grocery store and he looks at his wife as he's walking out of the house and he says, Honey, tell me what you need and I'll get it for you. Well, the context has to do with the grocery store. The wife probably isn't going to say, I need a new necklace, a new BMW car, shoes, dress, I need a new house, I need a vacation in the Bahamas, whatever. It's context. Or when the electrician's helper goes to the truck to get supplies, and he says, boss, what do you need? The context is, what do you need from the truck? Context is everything. And in Philippians chapter 4, do you know what the context is? You can't claim Philippians 4.19 unless you know the context in which you was spoken. And the context, the situation being referenced, is the sacrificial giving of the Philippian Christians. And Paul tells them, you have just given an acceptable sacrifice in verse 18, so I want you to know that God is going to meet your needs. You've created needs in your life by giving away, and God is going to meet those needs that you just created by being generous. Which brings us to our second principle today, And that's this, number two, the more you give away, the more God gives back. The more you give away, the more God gives back. You can't outgive God. And this principle is throughout the Scriptures, and it's throughout physical creation. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians again, this time to chapter 9, verse 6 where Paul gives us a spiritual principle that's illustrated in physical creation about giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says, Now this I say, He who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. And we have illustrated for us throughout creation that when a farmer or a gardener sows bountifully they reap a bountiful harvest and that's out there so that you and i will be reminded that we, when we are generous that god gives back to us in a generous fashion it's not that we should give to get but it's that when we give sacrificially god will meet our needs abundantly because you can't outgive God. The more you give away, the more God gives back. Notice verse 8 of 2 Corinthians 9. Verse 8 of 2 Corinthians 9. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. That's the same thing as Philippians 4.19 said in different words, that God will supply your needs when you give away. During this present COVID crisis, you and I as individuals and we as a church need to be especially mindful of those around us in need that we can help. You as a church have been generous in your giving. And because you've been generous to give to KCC, we as a church, as a church board, have decided we also will be generous to those in need. And I want you to know that during this pandemic, we have actually increased our monthly giving to our missionaries who are losing support because other churches can't support them. And that's because of you. We have also quadrupled our giving to help the homeless here on our island during the pandemic. Quadrupled, four times as much. Because of you, you've been generous. We can be generous out. We have approximately doubled the amount of money we're sending to Uganda to feed our friends there who are without jobs and food. And that's because you've been generous. We can give out and be generous. The more we give away, the more God gives back. I don't think all churches are going to survive this pandemic. People have lost their jobs. They can't support their pastors. The churches that are unable to live stream, they can't connect with one another. But I believe our church not only will survive, I think we will thrive because of you. Because you are giving of your prayers, your finances, of yourself to God fully. And therefore, you're able also to give to us and to others in need. Fully give your heart to God and fully then give to others. And the more that you give away, the more God will give back to you. Would you pray with me? The greatest gift God ever gave was the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, and he did it for you. It was tragic. It was painful. It was horrific, but it was done for you. So it became beautiful and wonderful and gracious and powerful. And Jesus Christ paid for your sins. He paid for my sins. He rose from the grave to prove that he had conquered death and sin couldn't hold him in the grave. His rising from the grave proves that the sins had been forgiven, the debt paid. And God offers to you the forgiveness of sin. He offers you his son, Jesus Christ. He offers you eternal life, but he gives you a choice to accept it or reject it, and the choice is yours. Heaven or hell, you choose. You end up based on what you've chosen, whether you've chosen Christ or not, that determines your eternal destiny. If you believe Jesus died for you, rose from the grave, if you desire to be saved and you've never invited him into your life, please, at this very moment, just close your eyes, call out to Jesus, and say, Lord Jesus, save me. It's not the words that save you, it's your heart. And if you're sincere... He will come in, save you, live within you, and show you how to live this life and to live for him. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you are taking care of us and meeting our needs according to your will. Bless each one that's listening now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, be well, be safe. And be blessed. My brothers and sisters, if you accepted Jesus today for the first time, we would love to know. It's the best decision you could ever make. Would you go onto our website, KailuaCommunityChurch.com? There's a button you can click that says that you accepted Christ. We would love to connect with you, let you know what just happened and what will happen, and uh, we'd love to connect, you w- connect with you in that way. So, right now, my brothers and sisters, as you so bountifully, may you rest in the confidence that God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Church family, so glad that we were able to be together today. We love you, and we will see you next week. Aloha.